Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Praise God. Can you please, can you please go to rest? That's today's message. Go ahead and, and write that down. Um, this week, actually tomorrow, um, I go into a surgery, and um, I'll, be, I'll be in the hospital for a few days as I heal up from surgery. It's, uh, for many of you that know, I've been having some issues in my stomach um, for, for a few years already. I've been hospitalized before, and I've been in and out. Um, of medication, uh, taking medication for the last few years and trying to figure out my stomach, what to eat, what not to eat, how to exercise, how not to, all, all those things that play a role into your health. What finally led me to this point where, um, praise God, uh, with the wisdom of doctors and all that, they thought that it was a great moment for me to go into surgery and to remove some of the problems that are going on and fix some of the other problems that are going on in there. And um, hopefully after a couple weeks, I'll be back on my feet eating what I could eat, um, exercising a little bit later than two weeks, but exercising and getting back to a normal lifestyle, a healthy lifestyle. Amen? So I would appreciate your prayers as um, I'm asked to be there at 630 in the morning. Um, Tomorrow, just wanted to give you guys kind of like a heads up on that. Uh, But I am grateful that finally I could kind of uh, get into that position of... of, um, Healing myself up. Amen? So it's just fitting that, um, that I speak about this message. My, uh, the surgeon, I went to go visit him to, so he could kind of like give me uh, the authorization, right, to, to go to, to have surgery. And um, when he says, you're good to go, let's, let's do the surgery, he said, um, but I, I need you to, to uh, rest, stay at home for two weeks at least. He tells me two weeks. And I looked at him and I said, Doc, I think you're asking for a lot there. You're asking me to stay home for two weeks. I said, I could do one week. But um, can, can we talk about the two weeks? And he says, oh, man, look, let's do one week good. And then we're going to have a follow-up and then we'll discuss how the second week looks. So I get, I get what he's saying. Um, but I, I will follow doctor's orders. And I will do whatever he asks so I could heal right. But it's just funny because what was, what was heard and what was said in that office was this. I need you to sit down and do nothing for two weeks. And in me, I said, I can't just <laughs> not do nothing <laughs> for two weeks. It's impossible. And um, so that, it's hard to accept that, you know. You're just like, no way. I gotta go do things, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta keep functioning. Um, but there's moments where the Lord would push you to a place where you you have no choice, and you're like, no, you're gonna rest. You're gonna rest. And physically, we all need to rest, correct? Physically, there's gonna come to a point where your body's like, hey, take a day off. Call in work. Take a day off. Actually, cancel some plans. Sleep in a little later cancel some plans, go to sleep a little bit earlier, or you know what, just hibernate for a little while. We used to call it, remember when we used to call it blockbuster night? Have a blockbuster night, now it's like a Netflix night or whatever it is, a movie night. All right? those, that are, those that are younger than what, do not understand what blockbuster night is. Leani for sure is like, yeah, I should have stayed back there. I don't understand what blockbuster night is. Mom and dad will explain it to you in the car what blockbuster night is. 
but have a movie night and just rest. And it's good to rest physically. But you're going to hear me say this, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But I've also learned that you could go to sleep and rest, but yet wake up more stressed out and more tired than you did when you, before you fell asleep. So sometimes physical sleep and rest, though it's important, sometimes that's not even the answer for your full rest and what you need. And obviously, there is no true physical rest until you've learned how to tap into your spiritual rest first. Because if you go to sleep saying, I need to rest, I'm drained with stress and emotions and all this, you're going to probably wake up with the same weight on your chest. Because maybe you fell asleep with the weight on your chest, and we forgot to give that to the individual who is our rest, which is Jesus, to say, I can't carry this. Would you be so good as you are and carry the weight that continues to weigh me down? You, you see the difference? Or not? Can you please go to rest? I would not say to go to sleep because I would hate that. One of the worst things up here is to see you guys fall asleep. So I want you guys to stay awake, but please go to rest. So where do we start at? I think we should start at Genesis because we see rest in Genesis. And you start in the origin of things. You start in the beginning of things. And it all starts there because God is working hard in the book of Genesis, in the beginning chapters of Genesis, He's working really hard. What do I mean by God is working really hard? God is creating all things. And I can imagine God having a surgeon and the surgeon telling God, Hey, um, Yahweh, I need you just to rest for a little bit. <laughs> okay? Just sit back and relax. You've done a lot. You've created everything all around the world. You've created all these things. Just rest, God. He creates all these things, and we know in Scripture it says in six days he created, and then on the seventh day we see a part of him that, yeah, we go by, we move forward, we read it quickly. But on the seventh day we see this very interesting part, and it's that he rests. And, and I thought about this, and I said, man, here is a God who never sleeps nor slumbers, and that's biblical. Psalm 121 says that our God does not sleep, neither does he slumber. Praise God, right, that we have a God who doesn't fall asleep on us. Like my children, dad, 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 I want strawberries cut at night, dad. I'm like, I'm going to bed. I'm sleeping and I'm slumbering. No strawberries are being cut. Your needs are not being met tonight. Dad, 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 dad is slumbering. Our father, 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 father neither sleeps nor slumbers, Psalm 121 says. He's always attentive, he's always hearing, he's always looking. He's always doing, he's always working, even in his silence, he's there, he's moving. And it's such a beautiful thing to see that our God, who never sleeps nor slumbers, yet in Genesis, it says he rests. Have you ever thought about that? The God who does not sleep is yet a God who finds time to rest. <laughs> Maybe you could theologically define what exactly that means better than I can even try to describe it to you. And we'll have a, like we say here, a parking lot conversation. But it's, it's, it's just the amazingness of God, the wonder of God. And yet, all of that speaks to us. It says in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says, The heavens and the earth, all the host of them were all finished. And the seventh day, we know the scripture, God entered his work 
God ended, sorry, his work in which he had done. And it says that he rested on this seventh day from all the work which he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it, meaning he made it holy. He made it hollow, holy, holy, a holy day because in it he rested from all of his work which God had created and which he made. It's, a, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's just a wonder of scripture. But in verses 2 and 3, we're, we see this, this emphasis that, yes, here's God in his doing. And how interesting and how wondrous it is for me to see how he rests. That God takes this break. He takes a time as he's creating all things. And he's taking this time to, hey, watch this moment of rest as well. And I think about God, and I'm sure you do as well when you read the scriptures. And you say, wait a minute, he's God. He's God. We're not. So we try to do things, right? We drink what? Energy drinks. And what are the things that you do in your crazy way? I mean, cafecito. At all times of the day. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we put into us to like give us a boost so that we could keep going. And it's always that, that, that afternoon, that mid-afternoon, because you know that work has been work. And but, but then you got to go back home, and it's like, eh, it's going to continue at home. If you're a young family, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, everyone's like, how's your day going? Sometimes they'll text me at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. How's your day going? How's it going? Now is when it begins. I pick up my kids at 2.30, and now it starts. From 2.30, from 5 a.m. when I wake up, till 2.30, yeah, I mean, there can be some crazy things. But at 2.30, it's game time. I'm getting war paint. I'm putting war paint on my face. We're doing push-ups at the house. It's almost 2.30. We're stretching. It's time. Basketball, gym, cheerleading, bat, uh, homework, this, cook dinner. I mean, we are moving. So you text us from 2.30 to 9 p.m. And we get back to you the next day because we're at war and, it's, and, and, and we're working. Any parents say amen? We're moving. We're going. We put them to bed. Now it's our time at 10.30 at night. And you sit down on your couch. Let's watch something. Okay. This is hard. It's the reality. We're humans and this is what we go through. And I think about God. I'm like, here's God. He's like, let there be the sun and the moon and the stars and the, I mean, and on the sixth day, he says, everything I've done is good. And on the seventh day, he's like, it's chill day. It's rest day. I don't see in scripture where he drank an energy drink. I don't see in scripture where he took a cafecito shot. I, I do hope that in heaven, he blesses us a little bit with that. Cafecito, you got to, come on, God. But you see all this, and that God could have done whatever he wanted to do to himself. Why would Scripture really define this? Why would Scripture tell us that our God rested? I don't think that anything in God really needed to rest because he's God. Does God really have to rest from anything or during anything or after he does anything? Does the God that we serve, does he have to stop and say, Oh my goodness, I haven't stopped, I have to rest. And, and, and it's just something in Scripture that, it's a question that I have for him when I get to heaven. 
It's a question of what exactly and how exactly did you rest or do you rest. But I do believe that it is something that he shows us not just to speak of himself, but it's something that he shows us. It's a gift to give unto us. His rest is to show us that we should rest. That we should rest. I'm God, he says, and you should rest. Today I would like to pray for some of you before we leave. Today we're going to have at the end of service, we're going to rest in him, and we're going to take of the Lord's Supper. But I would like to pray for you guys even as we do all this. Because I'm sure that there's someone in here that's weary, and that's tired, and that's burdened, and has had a week, or has had some weeks, or has had some months, or has had a year, or has had some years, and you're here, and you're like, oh my God, do I need rest. We've been talking about breakthrough here at our church last year. We ended the year with breakthrough starting in October. We kicked off the year for a few weeks. We talked about breakthrough, and we're here, and we haven't forgotten about breakthrough. We focused on breakthrough throughout our whole fast, and we're talking about individual breakthrough in our lives. And I recognize it that if I can't fully understand rest, I'm not going to be able to fully walk into breakthrough. So he takes this rest and he gives the children of Israel the Ten Commandments and he's showing them, hey, this is serious to my heart. And he tells them on the fourth commandment, hey, keep the Sabbath day. I want you to keep it as a day of rest. I'll read it to you. It's actually in chapter 20 of Exodus, verse 8. I'll read all the way to 11. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The six days you shall labor and you shall do all your work. He's writing this to the people. But on the seventh day, that's the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it, on that Sabbath, you shall not do any work. Nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servants, nor your female servants, nor neither your cattle, stranger who is within your gates. You invited someone over for some tea. No one. You shouldn't even make tea for them. No one works. You understand me? God took it serious. I'm going to show you actually how serious God took it. But he's telling his people here that you need to rest. I purposely set a day apart for you to rest. I'm speaking to the one who feels, is the word restless? You're just restless. And today the Lord's like, well, today you're going to rest. Amen? Because I purposely want you to rest. I made a Sabbath day for the children of Israel, and I made it holy, and I sanctified it. And the Lord in this text is telling his people, hey, you've worked hard. I want to tell you something, though I'm not God and I'm not Lord over your life. I will tell you this. I'm sure of this, right? You all work hard. You work hard. You carry the weight of a lot of things. The people you work with, for those that have families, your children, your, your own families, your spouses, the problems within your home, the problems outside your home, um, Financially, every bill you have to pay, every time that computer screen turns on, you turn on the TV, the pressures of the television setting, all the things that it's feeding you, your health, oh my goodness, am I eating right, am I not, look at me in the mirror, I've gained a couple pounds, no, I'm losing hair, Uh uh-oh, all these things, you're being weighed down every day, yes or no, am I the only one here? 
And we get through it, day one, off the books. Let's see how day two goes. Day two comes, off the books. Let's see how day three goes. And you push forward and you work hard. You go to day one, you work hard. You go to day two, you work hard. You go through day three, you work hard. Come on, you hard workers. You go through day four, you work hard. You guys are a bunch of oxen. Man, you work hard. You plow the field. And you are warriors, aren't you? Some of you are warriors. I can't describe you any other way, but like I can't do what you do. You're strong, you're, 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 you're a little crazy, yes, but you're strong. There's a might in you, there's a strength in you. Day five comes, you get through it. Day six comes, you get through it. Come on, what day are you on? You're like, I just need a place where I can just deflate, cry, weep, be broken, and let the Lord touch my heart and fall in love again. I just need to rest. What a gift that is for us, ain't it? I set it apart. I want you to rest. I want you to refresh yourself, relieve yourself. So he instructs Moses, this is what I want. I'm going to give you some commandments. And then he tells Moses to speak to the Israelites. And he says this. I'm going to go deep on this, Mo. What I want you to do is I want you to tell them that the seventh year in the promised land, this is how they need to do it. God is really serious here. It says in, in Leviticus chapter 25, verse 1, that while Moses was on Mount Sinai, the Lord said to him, he says, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel, that when you have entered the land that I am giving you, the land itself must observe, observe a Sabbath rest before the Lord every seventh Year for six years, you may six years work the field for six years. You may plant your field, prune your vineyards, harvest your crops. But during the seventh year, the land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. It's the Lord's Sabbath. Do not plant your fields, prune your vineyards during that year. Verse 5, don't store away the crops that grow on their own or gather the grape from your unpruned vines. The land must have a year of complete rest. I'm going to share something that I saw in a documentary. But you may eat whatever the land produces on its own during its Sabbath. This applies to you, your male and your female servants, your hired workers, your temporary residents who live with you, your livestock, the wild animals in your land, they will also be allowed to eat what the land produces. I mean, do you get the gist of it? I saw, uh, uh, it's, I don't know what it is, some sort of, it's not a documentary, but it's this guy that I follow on YouTube, and um, he's really interesting. I follow two of them, and one of them is a Hasidic Jew. And um, he, or he was a Hasidic Jew, I forget what part Jew he is now or what sect of, whatever, you know what I'm saying. And he goes and he visits um, in Israel, he goes to visit a farmer. And it's a farmer who has um, a huge land and he has all kinds of crops and, and he went on his seventh year. And the farmer was saying, here's my field and the field's had grown, you know, thistles and the grass is growing and it looks really messy and it's huge. And he took him to different parts of his farm and he, he's telling the one who's interviewing him 
the importance of this year of rest. He's, and, the, and the man interviewed him. He's like, so wait, so for a whole year, you're not going to do anything on the field. You're not going to plant the hoses under the ground. You're not going to um, 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 rip through the ground. You're not going to plow the ground. You're not going to plant anything. And he's like, no, we've just stored everything that we've done from the last six years. And right now we're on our seventh year. And this whole entire year, we just eat and we live off everything we've done. But we just live in rest now. We're not going to work. We're going to live from all the work that we've put in and then he's interviewing this man i'm like okay okay this is great i'm like i like this i like this i could do this a whole year let's not do nothing and then he starts to say it's not just good for me and my family he says what people don't know is the way god made it it's good for the land he says because what we do is we abuse of this land for all these years but now we stop touching it and we let her grow we let her heal and for a whole year, the land just heals. It's God knows what he's doing. God is the great what? He is the gardener. He's on the field working it. And he says, and when we do is the whole year, we just take off. And the fields begin to heal themselves so that when we start off again next year, I mean, the fruit, the vegetables, what comes out of it is so pure and so much more because we allowed the land to rest, heal, and get power again. And I said, oh my gosh, that's the same thing with us. Why is rest important for me? Because I need to rest so that when I come from that place of rest, I could what? I could live out in power and in strength and be fruitful like I've never been again, uh, like I've never been before. So this land needs rest so that it could also produce the fruits of God. So that it can produce the strength of God upon this land. So if the Lord is speaking those truths in the physical land, is he not speaking those same truths in you, in your own spiritual land? Yes or no? And the Lord is telling us the importance of rest. Rest, rest. Keep it holy. And he's, and he's telling this to the Jews. It was that nothing should be done. But to go to the Lord's house, keep the day holy, and make sure you do this. And there are others that, are, are, that still practice this. But then we read in the book of Hebrews, and especially in chapters 1 through 4, that the writer of Hebrews gives us input, input to something that is very important. I'm going to read verses 9, 10, and 11 here for a second. Hebrews 4, verse 9 says, So there is a special rest. Everyone say special rest. Man. Still waiting for the people of God. And you're like, wait a minute. Did I not just read in Leviticus? Did I not just read through this text that you are saying in Leviticus and in Exodus that the Lord has created a rest and a Sabbath and there is this rest? And then the author of Hebrews takes it to a point where he says there is a special rest that is still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. The New Testament writer is writing about what happened in Genesis chapter 2. They were familiar. The authors knew. The authors were familiar with the stories. The authors were familiar with the testimonies. The authors were familiar with Moses and the writings of the prophets. They knew what was going on. And here is a New Testament writer, and he's writing 
the same things that we've learned already through the second chapter of Genesis, the first book. God did this after creating the world, verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 4. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. So we read in Hebrews 4, and you're like, well, what's going on here? He's speaking of two groups of people here. There's the Israelites during the exodus from Egypt, and then the people of God. There's the church that the writer is speaking to of his current day. So there was a good news in the exodus. And the good news in the exodus was that it included God's promised deliverance from Egypt. Amen. The covenant that he established with his people, the hope of entering the promised land. There was something special in the Old Testament with the children of Israel. But then the good news for the church includes that there's a revelation and deliverance that is also found. Sometimes we feel like, wait a minute, I got to go back and I got to be a Jew. No, you don't. You got to be a son of God. Be a son of God. That's what you got to be. Because we too have a promise. We have a rest, and it's the revelation and the deliverance that is found in this person, and we know him already by name. We know him personally and intimately, hopefully, and if you don't today, please do so today, and the person is Jesus Christ. That is where our deliverance and where our promise is found. How many of you can say amen? Amen. And he is that covenant. He is the new covenant established through his high priestly sacrifice and the hope that we have now of our eternity with him. The book of Hebrews chapter 4, what it's doing is the author is describing that Jesus, Jesus is our rest. What does he say? He says there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. There is a rest. I think that if I was a Jew and I read this in my day, and I say, wait a minute, why is he writing this? There is a rest. There is a Sabbath day. But the author of Hebrews is going deeper, and he's going to define what the Sabbath day is. It's more than just a day. Remember today's title. Today's title is this. Can you please go to rest? Not and rest. Go to rest. After three chapters of Hebrews, one, two, and three, the author is telling them that Jesus is something of a spectacular. He's greater than angels, superior to angels. And that he's also our high priest. That's what Hebrews 1 through 3 is describing to us. And the author now, he takes this route and he starts to encourage. He starts to push or, I don't want to use the word beg, but plead with the hearer who is going to read this to not harden their hearts towards God. Because the one who is reading this is going to say, Oh, I know exactly what he's talking about. He's telling me not to harden my heart towards God or against God as my father hardened his heart in the wilderness. And the the reader would understand this. Because of their unbelief that God denied that generation, if you go back to the wilderness, they couldn't make it and they couldn't access the Holy Land. And Hebrews chapter 3 verse 11, it says, "...they shall not enter my rest." The people of Israel, they could not enter their restful promised land because they had unbelief. In the New Testament, the author of Hebrews says, do not have unbelief like your fathers did so that you can enter your rest. He's begging them. He's pushing them. And 
He's begging me to not make the same mistake. Do not reject God's Sabbath rest. And God's Sabbath rest is not necessarily go take a day off. God's Sabbath rest has been perfectly defined in Scripture to us. God's Sabbath rest is come to know my son. His name is Jesus Christ. He's your Lord. Come to know him. It's the person of Christ that I would, that you would, that we would not make the same mistake by rejecting God's Sabbath. His Sabbath rest. I said, can you please go to rest and not and rest because it's a person. And when I say, can you please go to rest, I'm, I'm, the, the, the question and the urge is go to Jesus. Go to, to Jesus. Go to him because he's the rest that you so purposely need. How many of you can say amen? Hebrews chapter 4, there's a special rest, I said. And it's waiting for the people of God, for all who have entered into God's rest, have rested from their labors. Just as God did by creating the world, let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, as the fathers did, we will fall. So there is no other Sabbath rest besides Jesus. He alone, he alone, I, I need you to listen to this. I don't know where you stand. I don't know where you're at. Maybe some of you here, but listen to this. Maybe someone that's going to listen to this. But he alone satisfies the requirement of the law. He alone provides the sacrifice that atones for sin. I can't go to a man, I can't go to a booth, and I can't grab an animal, cut its neck, sprinkle its blood, go to a man and confess my sin. No man can forgive me of my sin. No chicken blood can forgive me of my sin. Amen. No lamb's blood can forgive me of my sin. It's the only one, the only one, the only one is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who has risen and reigns forevermore. So what do we do? I want to run to the other remedies to find rest. And the Lord is saying, no, to me, Rigo, can you please go to rest? Who is it? It's Jesus. Amen. Numbers 15 says that there was a day when the people of Israel were in the wilderness. This is a cool story. I've, I've preached this here. And they discovered a man, and he was gathering wood on the Sabbath. Maybe some of you are like, oh, yeah, 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 I know the story. And you're like, it's not that big of a deal. It's the Sabbath, and he's picking up wood. He's probably cold. Wants to make a campfire. Maybe he's hungry, wants to cook something up. The fact is, it was a Sabbath day, and he picks up wood. And the people found him doing this, took him before Moses and Aaron, and took him before the rest of the community. And they held him in custody because they did not know what to do to him. I get what you would do. I would do the same thing. Let him go home. It's not a big deal. He's picking up some sticks. 
We've allowed people that have done worse get away with this. Have we not? Get away with their, what they've done. And the Lord said to Moses, the man, <laughs> this is the story I was going to tell you that the Lord takes this serious. Ready? The Lord said to Moses, verse 35, look at the Lord. The man must be put to death. The whole community must stone him outside the camp. So the whole community, I wish I didn't have to read this part of the Bible, but it's in the Bible. And it's real, it's real, it's true. But there's a great teaching in it. The whole community took the man outside the camp and he stoned him to death, stoned him to death, yeah, stoned him to death, just as the Lord commanded Moses. A man found gathering sticks, but yet it was on the Sabbath day. And look what happens. In spite of God's commandment, plain commandment, hey, cease, stop, do not labor on the Sabbath. I'm thinking about my surgery, right? And they say, hey, take a couple weeks off, and I have to get that incision and stuff like that. But I'm like, you know what? It's day four. I feel good. I'm going to go, and I'm going to do some sit-ups. My cut opens up. I go back to the doctor. I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm bleeding everywhere. Things don't look good. I'm in a lot of pain. He's like, what did you do? I just, Nothing. I just did a couple sit-ups. It's innocent. What do you think the doctor's going to tell me? This might be a horrible analogy, but it's okay. I asked you to pray for me because I'm not God preaching the word of God. I'm just a man trying to preach to you God's word. But here it is. What would the doctor tell me? You fool. I told you to rest. But because you thought it was not a big deal, do a couple sit-ups on day four instead of resting, now you need to deal with the consequences of you not submitting yourself to the place of rest. And then when you're there, you're like, God, I should have just, it was such a plain commandment. It was such a simple word. All he wants me to do is, don't pick up the sticks today, man. Pick them up tomorrow when the sun comes up. But no, I thought, it's fine. God knows my heart. I'll pick up the sticks on the day where he asked me not to pick them up. When I break it down like that, do you see that it's not necessarily God who's harsh? Because how many of you, like me, read that scripture that I just read and said, Shh, I don't want to serve a God like that. But who's really harsh in that text? Is it the God that said, you need to deal with what you need to deal with now? Or is it the man that had knowledge and understanding of what he had to do and still chose not to do it. Can I get an amen? Do we have any stick picker-uppers up in here? <laughs> I should have left the stick there. I would have picked it up tomorrow morning. We're the ones that are harsh when you read this text. We're the ones that are, God's not disobedient. Why would God put him to death. No, you're reading the Bible wrong. Why did the guy pick up the sticks? Because we want to read the Bible as God needs to do everything for us and forget, wait a minute, I need to be obedient to him too. Yes or no? So he picks up sticks and like, yeah, but put him to death. That's a very strong punishment. It's not like he wasn't warned. It's not like it's a surprise. It's not like God's saying, gotcha, you're going to be stoned. 
He knew exactly what was going to happen way before he even thought it. Then he thought it, and then he still did it. And it's the same thing with us. We know what we shouldn't do. We're thinking about it, then we're thinking it. And as we're thinking it, there's a conviction saying, you know, you shouldn't even be thinking it. And you're sure you shouldn't be doing it. And then we end up doing it. And then the, the, the moments that we get caught, because most of the times you don't, oh, but we start to justify and make excuses. And we blame people. We blame him. We blame her. We blame them. We blame God. And at the end, we're reading the book wrong. It was all my fault anyways. Let's read the Bible right, guys. Let's read God's heart right. God is not a bad God. He's a very good God. The man is gathering sticks, and God's commandment was plain. But in his boldness, in broad daylight, in open defiance against his divine authority, God's divine authority against what Yahweh has spoken to the people and to Moses, the man does whatever he wants. And God's like, no, people are not going to do whatever they want. I am God, not you. Thank God. He's God. It's not that, yes, it could seem harsh, but the man had knowledge. He had understanding. He knew what was he was doing or not doing. He was going against the truth of his understanding, the truth of his knowledge. And I want us to know this. Here's teaching biblical. Ready? Biblical teaching 101. Here it is. When you, when I, when we go against the truth of our understanding, the truth of our knowledge that has been given to us, Scripture says it only does but one thing. It brings death. And that's what we're learning in Scripture. So why did I get so deep right now? All because of how I want to unpack this and how I want to finish this off. I'm saying all of this in this passage in Numbers 15 because Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3 and what it tells us. Hebrews 2.3 says this, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? So what Numbers is teaching us, what all these stories is teaching us, it will be the same with the individual who rejects God's provision for their Sabbath rest. And their Sabbath rest is not necessarily the day that you picked up sticks, the Sabbath rest is you rejecting Jesus Christ, your Savior. And if you reject Him, then how can you be accepted by the Father? Do you see that in, in the Scripture? You guys don't like this message? Sorry. I feel like you're not digging it today. Don't worry about it. I'm going to rest for the next couple of weeks, and I thank you guys. I thank you guys for giving me that rest that I'm going to need. I'll either be here or watch online, but I have to at least start my rest with a bang. Amen. Watchman Nee, I'm going to quote him, he, he says this, our rest lies in looking to the Lord, not to ourselves. So you see what I'm saying here is 
This Old Testament Sabbath day was a shadow and it was pointing to the person of Jesus Christ. He is the Sabbath fulfilled. And, and don't get me wrong, we, we still need to rest. I've told you that physically. It's important to get away for a little while, to disconnect from whatever it is that we're connected to, from our computer screens, from our phones, whatever it is, go, go out, go to, the, go to the woods, go to the beach, go get some sunlight, whatever you need to do, away from whatever it is, by yourselves, with your family, with that person, no disruption, whatever you feel that you need to do, all that is important. But the beauty behind this, that it shows us that in our busy days and in our ongoing, for you ox that have been working day in and day out, you're living with such push and such drive and such weight that we're living in days that are filled with, and I'll just speak for myself, right? You're filled with anxiety and stress and depression. I, we heard a beautiful testimony of depression today at 930 Huddle. Of overperformance. I got to work more because everything skyrocketed. Have you seen the price of eggs? I got to work an extra two hours to buy some eggs for the family. Like, we live, man, with all this weight on us. But what a beautiful thing. To hear today, wait a minute, but I can find rest. That yes, I can live in a time where our city and our careers and our activities, they're draining us, but I could also find rest. Because the truth is, I don't have maybe, t- doctor, two weeks, I think you're asking for too much. I might not have too much time to, to take off and rest, but I do have this thing. I, I, I do have to I have to come to the one who could give me the rest that I so need in my soul. Because we feel like I have to catch up with everything. I haven't done things yet. My wife told me the other day, I'm going to put her on blast, but I'm like, what are you doing? Just like, I'm laying in bed. I'm like, just go to sleep. She's like, what is it? I have a, a schedule. I don't know. It's like 11 o'clock at night. It's like, I have a routine. I have, a, I have a deadlines that every day I got to finish something in the house. Oh, goals. You got to make them spiritual and good, you know. I have goals. And every day I got to hit this goal. And I'm in my covers. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm dying. I'm going to go to sleep. Just two different animals in the field. She has goals at 11 o'clock at night. Kids are, <sighs> kids are struggling with anxiety. In ways they shouldn't. Stress. One day Jesus was questioned by the uh, self righteous religious Pharisee. And they said, Jesus. Your disciples, 
were seen. In the fields, and they were picking grain, and it was the Sabbath day. They are a bunch of sinners. What are you going to do to them? Can you imagine being Jesus on that day? Imagine the life that you had. The weight that you carry, and you get a bunch of religious people that can't come and look at you in the eye and just kind of like empathize and say, like, what's going on with you? Are you okay? But instead, we're going to run to Jesus, and we're going to tell them, what are you going to do with that sinner? who stinks and was caught doing something he shouldn't be doing. And it was on a holy day, God. Like, I'm so happy Jesus is who he is. Because, like, right there, I would have opened my mouth and I would be like, fire. (laughs) And scorched all those religious people that don't have any compassion for the one that's in the field are asking them, like, what's happening today? But, you know, I say that, but I, too, can be that self-righteous fool that comes to Jesus and complains about the people that are doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Come on, God. Strike them once so they'll, they'll, never, they'll learn. They'll never do it again. I wonder if anyone here is like that. I mean, I'm not like that, like that. but <laughs> You know what I mean? Just kind of drawing a picture for you. Jesus looks at me. He looks at the self-righteous person. How is he going to answer them? How would you answer them? I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to wrap this up. But Jesus says to them this powerful statement. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What an answer. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. You know how much I've tried to meet the requirements to be a son of God, but until you get the revelation that there's nothing that you can do to meet the requirement of the Sabbath, but it's what Jesus is doing and has done and will do that wants to be the work and the miracle in you. And, and that's how most people function and live. Like that person in the field, the Sabbath, listen, it was made for you. Jesus, your Sabbath. We've come to a place now, we see this in Mark chapter 2, we see this in Hebrews, that Jesus, 
He now is my rest and he now is for me. And that person that's in the field that should be doing things and should not be doing things that he's doing and I complain about them or that person complains about me or whatever, whatever, the Sabbath. But now we see that Jesus, the Sabbath, is now sanctified, hollowed, it's holy, it's set apart for his people. And today, that's exactly what this is. Jesus is holy, Jesus is sanctified, and Jesus is the one that's set apart. And he is holy and sanctified and set apart to transform you into the person that he's calling you to finally become. Because he so well knows that you and I cannot do it on our own. Thank you, Lord, for being my Sabbath day rest. It's you. Because as much as I try to keep my Sabbath holy, the next day, I'm going to mess it up again. Did you get me? And all I become now throughout the years of doing that repetitive behavior of keeping one day holy and keeping the next day a mess, I become nothing but a religious nut. Judging you all by the standard of the one day of holiness and not by the standard of a lifestyle of righteousness under the presence and truth of Jesus Christ our Lord. The great Augustine says, Thou hast created us for thyself, and our heart is not quiet until it rests in thee. So I end with this. Maybe you want to close your eyes and we're going to take and partake of the elements which represent that, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's body, the Lord's blood. But as we get ready to do all this, I want you to examine your heart because you walked in here today and you're dealing with anxiety and sorrow and worry. You're dealing with weight. Hey, you've been asking for breakthrough. You're pleading for your very own loved one whether it's a spouse, a parent, a child. You're carrying it. You're here today and you know exactly what it is that the Lord is tugging at. And today he says, I give rest. Today he says, I will fulfill that. I will satisfy Eugene Peterson translates verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 127 in his message translation as such. He says, if God doesn't build the house, the builders only build shacks. If God doesn't guard the city, the night watchmen might as well nap. It's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know he enjoys giving rest to those he loves? In Psalm 116, verse 7, it is written, it says, I love the Lord. I'm going to read verses 1. I'll end in verse 7. He says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice. He's heard my supplications because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. The pains of death surround me, and the pangs of Sheol lay hold of me. I found trouble, and I found sorrow. I love this. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. 
Oh Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. Verse 7, here it is. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Lord, I'm, I pray today for every person in here that needs rest. They need rest for themselves. They're praying for the rest of another. But we've come to the place in your presence on this day to know that our rest cannot be found outside of Christ. He is the Sabbath day. He is the rest. And the question that you ask, can you please go to rest? It's a cry from your heart to us to run to you, Lord. With our anxieties and our depressions and our weight and our sorrow and our pains, our confusions, our busyness, our questions, it is to run to you and surrender it and give it to you and say, Lord, you know that I can't do this. I can't work the field like this. I can't continue to live like this. The only way that any of this is possible, Lord, it's if I run to you. So yes, yes, as you ask me today, can you please run to rest, go to rest? My answer is yes, Lord. I prostrate myself at the feet of my rest. His name is Jesus. Here, here lies my anxieties and here lies my worries and here lies my problems and here lies my life at the feet of my Sabbath day rest whose name is Jesus and who is worthy to carry all that weighs me down. It is you, Jesus. I surrender it to you, my beloved. If you need prayer today, I'm going to ask you, can you please go to rest? I would love, and some of our leaders, as they probably are going to come up to, but watch this. A bunch of people that are restless are going to put their arms around each other, and we're going to cry together, and we're going to cry for each other's rest, which is only in Jesus. So as I call you and you feel in your heart, I want to go up. I'm going to invite you, if you want to stand up here, if you want to get on your knees before we take the elements of the Lord, if you're saying, that's me, I need to go to rest, I invite you to come up to the front here as an accountability, as a, as a place of just like I'm making myself available, Lord. Go to rest here today and there's going to be someone else that's next to you and they're going to just put their arms around you and, and together we're going to pray and we're going to intercede and we're going to cry out for that rest in Jesus that we so deeply need. So whatever you want to call this, the platform, the altar, the front is open. Don't leave here without saying, I want to pray with my brother. I want to pray with my sister. I want to come before the presence of the Lord and I want the Lord to fill me with his rest. Because it's not found in anything, anywhere else. It's in you. Lord, I need to rest in you. So let's go ahead and let's sing a song. Maybe he's worthy. 
And as we're singing that he's worthy, pray for one another. Pray for each other. Strengthen each other with your own weight. Confess it and pray as we come together and say yes and amen, Lord. Yes and amen for my brother. Yes and amen for my sister. Can we do that? Can we truly not be rushed? Can we not kick you out so early today? Can we just sit in the presence of the Lord for a little while and really have a time of fellowship with our beloved Savior? Can we eat at the table with him? Can we bask in his presence? And can we allow his rest, his rest to overwhelm us and overpower us today? I invite you. Forget me. He invites you to enter into your rest. Let's worship and let's pray today. If there's anyone else, feel free to grab a hold of someone. Pray with them. Love on them. Ask them to pray for you. We need each other.